G'day. I'm Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. I'm Alice Zhao. And I'm Curtis Herbert. And this is Independence, a show where we love what we do, but we still find ourselves <laughs> working really friggin' hard to stay afloat on the iOS app store. And crying. Lots of crying. Tears of joy, though. This week, I, uh, I wanted to talk to something that sort of goes hand in hand with most people's view of being independent and independence. And that's... <gasps> Are we talking about pants? No. Oh. I just... I don't... I don't talk about pants. I prefer to uh, assume that they don't exist. Ah, <laughs> makes it easier okay, like for that. everyone. No, that's smarter. Yeah. That's smarter. Yeah. But the, what, what, what I want to talk to today is the concept of hobbies becoming careers. Because often, often people, they want to be independent so that they can do what they love. Because, you know, something, something you'll never work a day in your life. <laughs> and because we try to speak from our own experiences, I wanted to start... By asking the two of you, how much did your hobbies and your interests play into going independent? For me, I would say it was less hobbies and more curiosity into getting into um, mobile app development. And then also, obviously, the interests. Like, I wanted to get our kids to be interested in their heritage language. And so we thought this would be a natural experiment. So yeah, it wasn't necessarily a hobby. I had not, we had not experimented with mobile app development before. It wasn't something that you were doing outside of your regular day job or anything like that. Yeah. And I think I had only barely just gotten the iPhone 3S at that time. So I was late to the game, barely even used text before. (laughs) (laughs) It's embarrassing. Well, you know, as as you have said before, I'm like, I just like to jump at things. And so the opportunity came up and I'm like, let's just do it. Um, and so it was just, yeah, definitely more curiosity than anything. But obviously, Slopes is like several hobbies in one. <laughs> well, yeah, that's so I mean, I guess I would consider when I went independent, not necessarily Slopes, but when I started consulting. Oh, yeah. That was, geez, like eight years ago or something like that. But that I would say... Even still, hobby kind of had a play in that because at the time I had a full-time programming job, but I couldn't stop tinkering on the side. I was always building things or working with clients or doing something. And coding is just something I've always kind of had as a hobby. It's what I've enjoyed since I was a teenager. Mm. So it definitely, I think, played a good role in going independent in that direction. And also the fact I was just sick of having a full-time job. Um, and I figured if I was going to tinker, I might as well just get paid for it and do it all the time. Yeah. But then, yeah. And then I guess the second time around going indie, moving from consulting to product, I feel like my hobbies had a much bigger play at that point because um, that was definitely the intersection of multiple hobbies in my life. It was the intersection of programming, which is something I enjoyed a lot, and snowboarding, which is something I enjoyed a lot. And got to take a lot of things that I wanted to get into and was starting to get into more professionally as a consultant, UI design, UX, all that kind of stuff. And I got to kind of roll all that into one, which was fun. So yeah, I, I would say that over time, hobbies have played more and more of a role in my multiple attempts to go independent. <laughs> yeah, I my experience has been much the same in that I learned how to program, how to code uh, when I was, you know, a teenager. I was, that was the stuff that I was doing after school yeah, and, you know, working and like I was working in other, in other stuff. Like I, I had a, I had a regular job while I was at also at school and coding at, on the side. And that sort of continued when I moved away from home and started going to uni and well, not uni, TAFE, but 
same, same. I uh, and uh, you know I was doing all this on the side, and eventually that sort of led me into having it as a job. And going independent was kind of part of that because when you do something on the side, like theoretically you like what you like it. So it it definitely is something that I've I've always sort of considered to be a bit of a hobby or a bit of a like a, a thing that I would do for to sort of relax. I guess, which is weird. I work to relax. <laughs> you know, the the idea of doing sort of the code work and stuff like, you know, working out problems and doing logic problems and stuff. I guess people get, some people, you know, regular people, normal people maybe get, get that sort of uh, effect from doing crosswords maybe or Sudoku. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Me, I'd rather build the Sudoku app. <laughs> so I, I would say that it probably played a lot in, into my going independent. But I guess it kind of took a bit of a turn once you once I went independent because when you start doing the thing that you love as a hobby, you don't really think about all the stuff that's external to the thing that you like to do. Yeah. I like to code. I like to solve problems. <laughs> but I don't really like doing finance, yeah. taxes. Oh, oh taxes. God, that stuff is the worst. I'm still waiting to make enough to pay someone else to do the taxes. But <laughs> yeah. in the meantime, I have to do my own taxes and I hate it. Yeah. So there are downsides to doing the thing that you love as a job. So moving into the independent stuff that you were doing, like what sort of things did you run into that you sort of didn't expect to have to deal with when you were just sort of chasing your interests? Clients. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God, the clients. Fortunately, I had had practice with clients because I had been freelancing for so long part-time. Ever since college, I was freelancing, and I had a full-time job for like six years after that. So I had been doing the freelance stuff for a long time. So I kind of got used to contracts and clients and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it wasn't like I was jumping in the deep end. But, oh, God, clients. Like, just dealing with them. I've had some good ones, and I hold them dear, and I keep them around to this day, even though I'm really not doing client work anymore. But I've had some really bad ones. And dealing with that really can put a sour feeling on your hobby. Because you're trying to, you know, Jelly, you're like me. You're you're coding because it's something you enjoy doing. It's how you relax. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're trying to code, but this person that you're coding for is making you feel miserable <laughs> through whatever aspect is causing it. You know, you you have some disagreement on how something should be implemented or pricing negotiation or whatever it is. Or they have no idea what they want. <laughs> right. But they don't thing. trust you to be an expert. <laughs> right. Like they hired you for whatever it is like that's souring the water. And all of a sudden when it used to be something that you're like, oh, great, I have some time to code. Now you're dreading that and avoiding it and putting on Mm. Netflix instead of doing the actual work. And that's for me, that was a huge surprise. Like when all of a sudden I stopped wanting to do the thing that I always wanted to do. Yeah. No, I found the same thing when I went when I started doing client work was that if I have client work on, I can't work on the stuff, like my own stuff, because my own stuff now feels just as bad as the client work. Oof. And the client work doesn't even need to be bad. Like the clients don't need to be bad. That stuff doesn't need to, need to be bad for me to not want to work on the stuff that I want to work on, because all of a sudden it's like I've used all of my good stuff up dealing with that yeah. and none of the stuff, like I've got nothing left. I'm perfectly happy. Well, I'm not perfectly happy, but I'm I'm vaguely happy within a margin of like, you know, <laughs> t- 
10, 10 to 20% to do whatever the client needs me to do. But I like after that, I just, I'm done. Like I have to be done. I've got to, I've got to give it up because I've like, I've used up all of the sort of energy that I had and the excitement that I had about that stuff. And it's just gone. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I think we quickly considered doing client work in the very beginning to just get our, you know, get our feet wet into working together. And I approached a couple acquaintances of mine that were really big in the food uh, food blogging industry. And I said, you know, maybe we should work on an app together because you have such a huge following. Like, why not try this? And then, like, we proposed a couple of projects. And then after a while, I'm like, they don't really know what they want. And this is not really, like, it just didn't gel in yeah. terms mm. of doing something like this. So we're like, we should just not bother. We should just work on something. And that and that's eventually how we ended up considering our own product and then working on Gus. So we we nipped that as fast as we could. Yeah. Or we ex- thought we experimented and then we're like, nope, and that's not what we want to do. <laughs> well, one thing I've kind of found interesting, I guess maybe you can't really compare and contrast against because you were smart and avoided client work. <laughs> Although not to diss it completely. It is a great way to pay the bills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys had, a, you had to transition. Yes. <laughs> but one of the interesting things I've noticed is when you go to product, your customers are your clients at that point. But you still get customers who will insist that you write your software for them and they will demand that you meet their expectations. But I found that there's an interesting trade-off that I now have so many clients on the same product that it's a lot easier for me to ignore one or two of those voices that's like, you don't know what you're doing. You have to do it the way that I want it. Otherwise, you don't get my $20. I'm able to say like, okay, I don't want your $20 then. Uh, And by the way, here's an app I think you might like by a competitor. Go try it. Go. It's fine. Versus with a client, you have to say, no, I'm sorry. I don't want that $50,000 contract. (laughs) Go with this other contractor. And I found that is a very interesting kind of contrast with having clients versus customers and how it can affect how you view your hobby. In that all your eggs are no longer in one basket for that basket to like sour your enjoyment of the hobby. Right, I mean, right. that said, like when it's just a hobby, when you're just working on things that you like because and there are no strings attached to that, you you don't have to succeed in order for it to like be enjoyable. At that point, it's nice. Like, yeah, it's the, oh, possibly the that. nicest. Like it always yeah. goes downhill once you start to like actually try to make it uh, a thing. Right. Because anybody else. <laughs> Literally everybody else that's involved in the process sucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's just like it. It's just it. It will it will tarnish the those those few voices of like of displeasure in what you're producing will tarnish what you had. And if you don't deal with it correctly, if you don't handle it in the right way, and if you don't allow that to sort of sort of run off you're going to find that like it's going to ruin the sort of enjoyment that you get out of the like the thing that you're making that is supposed to be an interest or a hobby. Yeah, and that's something we've talked about in past episodes. I think the um I shipped a bug episode is probably one where we talked about that where me dealing with getting that kind of feedback from customers was kind of soul crushing and it soured a lot and it took me a while to recover from that. Yeah, so there's definitely, you lose kind of that dream state that is it being a pure Mm -hmm. hobby and not having anyone else to like essentially poop on your hobby. I think the biggest surprise for me was that there's just 
so much to do <laughs> outside of the actual product. Like yeah. someone's got to do the social media. Someone's got to do like outreach. And um, eventually that's all the stuff I ended up doing. And there's sort of a sweet spot where I felt like I really enjoyed doing all of these things. For me, it came, there came a point where I'm like, I don't think I'm particularly good at any one thing. <laughs> like I wasn't some expert marketer, but I had to do it all. So I think it's yeah. just like, where do you find the time to become an expert at all these different facets to become more successful than just shipping a product? And you kind of forget. That's one of the things I think I didn't realize or didn't think about before jumping in because I love to just jump. Just keep jumping. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 feel, I can feel that. There are so many things that you don't take into account and that most people don't take into account. Things, just think simple things like... Here in Australia, we have a thing called the GST. Um, it is the goods and services tax. It's kind of like the tax that you get uh, that you that you in America, you you Americans, <laughs> get. Uh, it's a state based thing where it's like a little bit of tax is tacked onto the price of stuff. Yeah, yeah, sales right? tax. We just have that across like everything. Um, well, not across everything, but it's a it's it's a national thing. Sure. And part of selling apps in the App Store is that you have to register for GST regardless of how much money you make cuz aside from that it's like you have to you have to earn something like 20 million dollars or something there's a threshold that you have to basically hit before okay. you have to register unless you're going to sell apps in the app store in which case you have to register oh jeez oh. fun times and it adds a whole lot of complexity to the thing that you're doing because now it's no lo- no longer just like i'm just going to create a thing and there's going to be money it's now i'm going to create a thing and there's going to be money and i have to also like put a set aside a little bit of this yeah. and make and sort <laughs> Sort of, you know, as, and so there's this this sort of sort of these extra things to do with like taxes and stuff that you just don't I don't know that you think about it unless until you sort of hit it and you're like oh suddenly I have to be like doing this because like now you need to also set up like the business as the business side of things you probably have to register your business and stuff like that I mean you guys probably have LLC things or yeah whatever. but even LLC is optional in the states. Yeah. I mean, you should do it. I mean, yes. But like the, there are things that you should be considering and that like when it's just like you creating a thing that you like that you're you're doing as a hobby, like if you're doing yeah. doing a thing for yourself, it doesn't really matter so much and suddenly when you are trying to ship a product, when you try to make money from and make a living from doing this thing, this thing that you theoretically love, there are things that are attached to that that you have to you have to kind of think of. Well, it's interesting to look at, I guess, what you're saying, there are things that you have to do. And that definition is very fluid, I think, because the three of us would probably argue that one of the things you have to do if you're going to you know, try and sell code to consumers is you have to market. You have to do some product research. You have to do all these things. And I think we've seen lots of other people try and go independent where they try and treat it as much like only their hobby as possible. So they only are focused on development and that's all they care Mm. about. And they ignore all those other things minus the things the government requires them to do like filing taxes, but the things they literally can get away without doing, they'll try and avoid that. And they're not willing to take on the full orbit of all the other responsibilities that comes with trying to go independent on something that's your hobby. And I think that's a really dangerous trap for a lot of people is not accepting and not being willing to say like, okay, if I want to go independent with this, this means there will be all these additional responsibilities and I'm not going to like all of them. 
But if you want to be independent successfully, you have to be willing to say that. Or magically, you have to have money and be able to pay somebody else to make that <laughs> stuff happen for you. Indeed. One of those two. Or or you have a partner like me who's willing to make nothing because we're <laughs> and do all the work anyway and still end up so, short. So what you're saying, Alice, uh. is that every business needs an Alice. Yes, or something like that. No. <laughs> Alice, what's your schedule look like for the next couple months? <laughs> <laughs> busy. So busy. Maybe, maybe what um, we can do is we can take this this concept and actually make a business out of, of farming out Alice's skills. My God. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. That's good. And for all of the things that are aside to what we actually want to do as this business, we'll just we'll just get Alice to handle them. She'll do this it. This is a win-win-win. Apparently, win. she'll just do it. <laughs> Is this slave labor, technically? I think so. I think so. I think it is. But to really just take that point, like that's the other part is that you guys did this whole transition where you did, you know, did consulting as well as started starting on your hobby to product. This was a jump and this was the only thing I did for a very long time, you know, partly because, you know, it w- I wanted to be at home with the kids. They were still babies. And so that kind of gave me mm. an excuse to be a slave laborer. <laughs> but then, you know, we have, we set so many deadlines where we're like, Hey, I think we need to hit this mile marker in terms of how much money we make and then make a decision. And we may have, you know, just kept delaying that for years yeah. and years and yeah. not, not you know owning up to like okay maybe we had to do something really drastic or like if we thought we needed to do something drastic we didn't know what it was yeah but and i i will i think it's worth clarifying that it wasn't we're joking but it wasn't slave labor i mean there is a level of investment in your future and that's what you were doing you know you were taking an opportunity to stay home with the kids and try and build a side business with the time you had and right. that's what we do as independents. We try and invest in our future and grow a business. Uh, and yep. that just means that when you do that, you have to find an Alice who has the time to do that. <laughs> or you have to do all the roles that this hypothetical <laughs> Alice. I'm thinking if you two watch The Good Place, I'm thinking Alice is Janet. Who am Janet. I, the Janet? I'm yeah. Janet. She just pops in and she's like, but here's your marketing plan. <laughs> <laughs> we need a bad Alice then. <laughs> Your marketing plan sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I it's it's one of those things that kind of goes part and parcel with being independent and with trying to make a career out of something on your own, even if that is something that you have no interest in. Which I I don't know why you would do that, but sure. Going independent and deciding to work for yourself, there is always, always a point at which you have to take a risk. You have to, you have mm-hmm. to do something that is not, it, it might not pay off. Yeah. Irregardless of what you're trying to do, I, I, I find. Because even if it comes to a point of like, I'm not, I'm going to leave the job that I have that if that pays me money for this thing that might not pay me money anytime soon. Like that's, there's always risk that comes into play when you, decide to go independent and while that's potentially a downside it's also sort of an upside in that like you could potentially like the risk is good it's you know a high risk but it's also potentially high reward mm. yeah and to be fair i wasn't it wasn't just complete slave labor because i felt like this is when i discovered what i really do enjoy doing like even though it doesn't always come off that way 
And, you know, where I say I'm like, I'm not an expert in anything. But honestly, I felt like, oh, I'm like, this is the side of business or side of tech that I really enjoyed. Like finding that, like, that's, it sounds really corny, but like that inner peace with where you want to be, that, that it was life changing because I was very miserable before. And then I was like, okay, I'm really happy here. I just haven't figured out how to make money off of doing that with Gus, but yeah. but that's okay because I also discovered something huge about myself. Right. And that's what hobbies are. They're supposed to be about yeah. exploring yourself. So you're winning. Yes. Keep telling me that. <laughs> Keep telling me that. <laughs> so if you were working in a regular job, like doing the same thing that you're doing now, would you feel like the downsides would be the same, similar, different? Are the downsides that you see in your independent career different to the the downsides that you get from a regular job? I mean, it's all trade-offs because you're trading not having to do a lot of those orbital jobs that we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. Hopefully this theoretical company that you work for has people to do those things. They have a marketing department. They have all that. They have an Alice there. (laughs) They have dozens of Alice's. They have an Alice team. And they actually pay their Alice's. It's wonderful. (laughs) So they have all these people to not do that stuff, but then you have your trading off independence, which is a big deal. Yeah. Setting and your pants. own hours, not having to worry about corporate politics, having to wear pants. Like that's that sounds rough. You're not gonna have the same negatives, but there will be trade offs that you have to make. Trade offs for the regularly <laughs> sent out paychecks. Yeah. Regular deposits to your bank account. That sounds nice. <laughs> Well, do you feel like then it's worth pursuing a career based on the hob- on the hobbies that you have, even with all the downsides? I'm always going to say yes, because I always say, give it a try and see what happens. Like, I'm that person. I'm always the person telling someone to quit and do their own thing just for the heck of it. So sure. <laughs> well, for me, it's, it's definitely worth it because it was like more like a self-evaluation, self-discovery journey that I don't think any amount of money could be put on that because I don't I would not have come to this conclusion any other way so for me yes but that's very specific to my journey I think it's tough like I would personally definitely go but I think it it kind of depends on multiple things like I have a lot of friends that they just want a job job and they just want that standard Mm -hmm. money to come in and they want to be able to clock out at five o'clock and then go enjoy their life and I don't think that they would do well trying to grow their hobby into something else because then they can't just have that nine to five clock in clock out thing. That's very important to them to have that kind of separation. And that's something you kind of lose or at least you have to be very disciplined about if you go independent. And that's a big struggle. And we've talked about that in the past. And a lot of those friends that I have, I don't know what the odds are of their hobbies being successful to that degree. Um, so, for example, one of my friends, his hobby is, you know, playing magic. There are tournaments you can win money, but I, I think the odds of that are going to be very hard to go full time playing magic and quitting your programming job. So I, I do think that there's a slight sense of realism there. And also, like we were talking about the orbital stuff, like knowing that you have to take on all this dirty work that you might not want to do and being OK with that. So it, it depends, I guess, would be my answer. For me, I love it. I love the independence. I'm happy working with clients and customers. I love charting the destiny of my own product. It's wonderful, but that's my personality. And I think it really does kind Mm -hmm. of come down to that personal choice in your personality. Yeah, no, I I definitely know a few people who 
sort of regarding the like uh, the working from home sort of thing, they don't like. They're like, I don't know how I would actually get anything done. I would just spend all of my time just sort of not doing anything that I was supposed to be doing. Yeah, and so I like I can understand that like some people the freedom for them is not a payoff. It's not enough of a yeah. payoff. It's a, more of a risk. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes back to the risk thing from before. Like going independent is there's always risk involved and that risk can be high reward, but it can also kind of turn out badly. Not everybody who tries to, you know, create a product and sell a product succeeds at actually can, you know, making a living off of that or, you know, actually making money from it. It is entirely possible for that to, you know, to fail. Well, not even just products. I mean, restaurants, businesses, stores. I mean, look at how many businesses out there fail. It's just a commonality, no matter what industry you're in, that, you know, you have a lot of odds stacked against you. And it might not work out. Yeah, I sometimes I think the reason why I was so quick to jump into mobile apps was that I didn't have to stock inventory. (laughs) Right. Like I don't have to crowd my house with stuff and hope it sells. If it doesn't sell that it's, it's still there. If it sells a lot, I don't, I don't, (laughs) and so I think that was, it alleviates some of that, you know, investment, um, it's all time, which is not free, but I guess Mm -hmm. in my case, yes, (laughs) but, but, but right. I don't have to put up, I don't have to invest like $50,000 into inventory or like a brick and mortar place. I think that's a huge reason why I was like, okay, let's just try. Why not? And it is one of those things where you can try doing some of it at least while you're also keeping a full-time job or while you're also working on client work. It doesn't, like it's one of in being independent and doing your own thing and like creating your own product, whatever that product may be, uh, whether it's you know physical or imaginary, <laughs> digital. That's the word that I was looking for. <laughs> Not so much imaginary. <laughs> um, imaginary. It doesn't matter. Like slopes, you can sort of chase that a little bit, a little bit of the way, even while you're busy working on other stuff. And it, yeah. to be fair, to be one hundred percent fair. There are people out there who just don't have that sort of like that, that time isn't a resource that they have aside from their other job because they've got other things, they've got family commitments or other work commitments or whatever. But it's one, it is one of those things where if, if it is important to you to be independent, I feel like you can still pursue that. It's, and it's about, it's about making, taking those risks and taking the chance and then actually trying to pursue that. Yeah. So we should probably wrap up, but I do have one more question. Uh-oh. And that question is probably pretty obvious. Do you still love what you do? Yeah, I still love it. Like, it's at the end of the day, I'm like, I want to do this all the time. I just need someone to pay me money to do it. <laughs> oh, I sound so poor. I'm not. <laughs> Rich in life, okay? Rich in life. <laughs> We do okay. <laughs> I definitely do. I've learned a lot about myself and my need to manage stress better and manage customer complaints better <laughs> and general negativity better. And if I could get that stuff out of the way, I think I need a therapist. Yeah, if I could get that stuff out of the way, then yeah, I, I'd be a lot more resounding yes. 
but yeah, I, I do, I'm thinking back to my job job and even to some of my client work, I don't think I'd want to go back. I'm definitely a own my own product kind of person. And I don't see myself being super happy doing anything but that. So mm-hmm. the negativity aside that I have problems with this job, that's the best set of trade-offs I think I can find for me as a person. These are the negatives that as much as they suck, I'd rather deal with these than the other ones. And the upsides of being independent and being independent on a hobby I love far outweigh the negatives. So yeah. Yeah, I'm much the same. I I wouldn't go back. I'd like I well, I wouldn't want to go back. I, and if I did, I'd probably go back vaguely kicking and screaming even if that all that was all happening up in my brain. I, it it's hard to sort of get a taste of freedom and then well, of what feels like freedom and then sort of to lose that and I don't think I would want I would want to. Although let's let's own a little bit of privilege here to get that taste of freedom and have it not be a complete failure that blows up in your face right away. Like there are plenty of people that try to start apps or businesses and they don't take off the ground and it's a bunch of blood, sweat and tears. And then they look at it and they say, why in the world would I want that freedom Mm. when that just led to no paycheck? If we're still here being able to be indie after a couple years that we're doing better than a lot of people. And I think we need to acknowledge that that's, a special situation. So it's easy for us to say, well, of course I want to be independent. Yeah, we're not poor on the side of the streets, right, unable right. to support ourselves. Like, we do have some privilege here, and I think that's important to acknowledge. Yeah. Except Alice. Apparently, she's free insurance, no money. <laughs> I saw him, saw him. That's why I have another side gig to my side gig. <laughs> side gigs. It's side gigs all the way down. Yeah. That's the secret to surviving as an indie side gigs all the way down. <laughs> So on that uh, cheerful note, we <laughs> should wrap up. So if you would like to get in touch with us, you can send us an email. Our email address is hello at independence.fm. But you can also find us on the Twitter, uh, the Twitters, the, 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 tweet, the tweets. I am Jelly Bean Soup. I'm Eda Duck I Must. And I'm at Parrots, the plural of the bird. Thank you for listening and we look forward to talking to you in two more weeks. And until then, goodbye.